Welcome to the Trinity Western Chapel podcast. As a vibrant part of life at TWU, Chapel creates opportunities for us to engage with God's story of redemption in Jesus Christ through His Word, prayer, and worship. We're glad you're listening and hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. My name's Ewan Lowe, and I'm senior lecturer here at Alpha Cruces College uh, in the wonderful city of Melbourne. And it is an incredible privilege once again to be able to come and share with you at Trinity Western University for your chapel service. I, um, I trust that as we delve into the text, into our sacred scriptures today, that we would each be able to take some time to listen, to reflect to be uplifted by the word of the Lord and to go from here encouraged um, and challenged to be able to keep spreading the wonderful, remarkable kingdom of God wherever we are. Why don't we take a moment and pray? Lord, thank you for these spaces where we're able to come, read your word together and to share it with one another. Thank you for the gifts that you have given to us. Thank you for your kingdom, the now and not yet kingdom of God, which promises hope to each and every single one of us. Let us be good ambassadors of your kingdom. And as we read your word together, and as we discuss it, consider its implications, may it enlighten and challenge us. May it be as a lamp to our feet, showing us where we need to walk. In your name. Amen. Last chapel, I had the privilege of sharing with you in reading through James chapter 2 verses 1 to 7. Now, this time, I will continue where we left off with James chapter 2 verses 8 through to 13. Now, like last time, what I'm going to do is read the text, give you a few observations, and then have a challenge for all of us to consider before we finish up. Uh, Once again, I'm reading the NRSV, so please feel free to follow along. I'm in James chapter 2, verses 8 to 13. And it says this, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbour as yourself. You are doing right. But if you show favouritism, You sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For the person who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you've become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now there's a lot here 
for us to be able to talk about that we can unpack. It is a complex piece of writing with a few different clauses in it. I just want to draw us three fairly simple observations today from this text, uh, and as I said, go into a challenge. Now, the first thought is simply this, that we are called to treat all people equitably. Now, here in Melbourne, Australia, well, in Australia in general, we, we, we tend to be actually pretty good at treating all people equally. Uh, Australia, you may or may not know, was colonised mostly by convicts who had deep suspicion of authority because they'd been imprisoned by that authority and sent thousands of kilometres around the world to a godforsaken island, they thought, uh, with nothing much happening in it. Uh, so the Australian character uh, has retained a fair bit of that attitude and looks beyond status and titles and tends to treat everyone very equally, uh, as though we are all the same. However, that is not necessarily a good thing, because not all people are the same, <laughs> as we know. Uh, and so the question, I think, then, is not a question of treating one another equally, but rather treating one another equitably. Now, that means instead of treating everyone in the exact same way, or treating, you know, people more favourably or less favourably, we do really then take seriously this call that we find in the New Testament and throughout the Scriptures to love our neighbours and do to them as we would have them do to us. And what that means, I think, is that we extend grace and mercy to those who are struggling, and we ask ourselves about treating causes deep structural issues rather than just symptoms. That is to say, we consider treating people equitably rather than equally. For example, um, you know, imagine that you're a student in a foreign country where you know, the, the, the local language is not your first language. I mean, some of you don't even need to imagine this, I'm sure. Do, if you were in such a situation, would you want to be treated equally? That is to say, held to the same standard as a native, local-born speaker of that language? Or would you want to be treated equitably for people to recognise that, hey, I've only been in this country for six months and, you know, this isn't my first language and I'm learning it and I'm doing reasonably well. Do you want your professors to hold you to a native-born standard or to give you a little bit of grace given the fact that you are learning this for the very first time and moving out of home isn't easy, moving to a new country isn't easy, and there are many other factors and issues going on. Now that's a simple example, but I think one that we can extrapolate into the lives of those around us. We need to stop and try to learn what's going on in the lives of the people around us before we are quick to judge them, because we just don't know. You know, someone who steals may not be stealing because they they really enjoy being a bad person, necessarily, but it may be out of sheer desperation because they've got nothing left. They may have been disadvantaged, they may have grown up um, such that the only way, the only recourse they had was theft because of a, a, a society that rejected them and, and didn't care about them. You know, we, we, we hear so much about the way that institutions work um, government institutions, you know, with, with safety nets and things, but there are so many people for whom these safety nets simply don't work. 
uh, and, and as a result, they end up washed into our prison systems or, or, or disadvantaged or end up homeless or, or anything like that. And we need to, rather than double down on the punishment, rather than judging them, rather than, you know, casting them aside because of what they have done, take their time to recognize that actually, maybe, sometimes, not all these problems are caused by them, that they have been disadvantaged by systems that, you know, um, treated them poorly, and that there are much deeper structural issues at play here that cause these issues and address those rather than harming people. This is especially um, relevant, of course, to the indigenous um, people of many different nations where um, due to the legacies of colonialism, you know, they, they've been severely disadvantaged for a very, very long time. And it is difficult for them because they're treated very differently. So we need to remember, and I challenge myself with this all the time, that Jesus does not treat everyone equally, but he does treat them equitably. Jesus meets people where they are, or he met people where they were, and he acted accordingly. We see that he gets frustrated with the religious, and he holds them to a higher standard of behavior because they're familiar with the law, because they were privileged, because they were advantaged, uh, and, and because they often sought to impose their judgment and their interpretations of the law onto others. And so Jesus treats them to a much higher standard. Whereas for, for the poor, for the needy, for the disadvantaged, um, for the sinners, Jesus freely forgave them, called them to repentance, of course, um, but, you know, met each of them where they were at, considering their contexts, and did not judge them. And I think there's a big challenge for each and every single one of us to do the same. Thought number two. We are now, as Christians living in the 21st century, under the law of Christ that gives freedom and mercy, not judgment. You see, the temptation when we read a text like this is for us to revert to the law that we find in, let's say, Leviticus or Deuteronomy, and to start applying that very wholesale. The problem here, I think, is, is that this text, this James text, is very clever because it shows us that it is actually very, very difficult to apply the law consistently, and that consistency is important because it reminds us that if you break one aspect of the law, you have broken the law. There is no sliding scale of transgression. You know, if you eat foods that are prohibited, that's just as bad as adultery or murder. If you commit adultery, that's like committing murder, and, and so on and so forth. And so the law, in, in you know, many readings and conceptions of this, is a bit more of a totality, especially in the way that we approach it. And so, you know, that's a great challenge for us, because one of the issues that we often face is legalism where we, we interpret the scriptures such that they are a legal document of how to act rather than a living testament of God's work among us in our lives. And unfortunately, what happens then is that the law, well, it, it, the, 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 the Bible, the text gets turned into law and the law becomes used as a measuring stick, you know, holding people to a, an impossible standard often um, rather than a living word 
that reminds us that we are all sinners, that we all have fallen short of the glory of God, but that we are given opportunity after opportunity, that we are given grace, love, and mercy, and so we need to do the same to others. And that's why I think this text that we've read in James encourages us to look to the law that gives freedom, because ultimately that's what we are concerned with in the kingdom of God, freedom. Rather than, you know, sitting around, judging each other, treating each other favorably or or harshly, depending on our sins or, or the things that we've done wrong, the text reminds us to be merciful, to treat others as we would want to be treated, to give second chances and third chances. That can be really difficult in this day and age, especially with social media. Well, one, one challenge I have consistently faced um, is the temptation to either block people or attack people based on their social media feeds. And that's a judgment on my part, right? Because I look at what people put on their social media and I judge them. And, and based on my judgment, I then react accordingly. You know, I, I distribute, I, I enact the law that I have in my own head about how, sh- how people should, you know, act and, and do things in a particular way. Well, what I've tried to do, especially through this pandemic that we uh, continue to go through, <clears throat> is to remind myself and teach myself to keep being empathetic, to remember that people post things on social media, for example, or, or, or say harsh words and, and things like that, out of frustration, out of circumstance, out of the difficult situations that they find themselves in. And so, you know, not to excuse the behavior, not at all, but to remember that others are suffering as well and, and to be graceful and merciful as a result. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that you don't create a safe space for yourself just to shield yourself and give yourself a little bit of breathing room and some sanity. Right, to, to prevent yourself from coming into contact with too much negativity, especially if you have mental health challenges of your own. I'm not saying, you know, unblock all these people and read their stuff if it'll trigger you and make you feel horrible. Not at all. Keep creating safe spaces for yourself. But what I am saying is that when we do interact with one another, when we are faced with the temptation to judge, we should follow what the scripture says and be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, remember that others are facing challenges that we often don't know about and we don't see. Again, it doesn't excuse what people do or what people say necessarily, but it can help us in being empathetic and therefore moving us, hopefully, from a place of judgment towards a place of mercy, caring, of reaching out and trying to help others. And in that way, we move towards freedom. Freedom from, you know, um, the law, as it were, but also freedom from judgment. Freedom not just for them being judged by us, but freedom for us in not having to judge others. That's really significant. Uh, I'm reminded of a story in the Gospel of John where Jesus has brought this woman, right, by by the, the teachers of the law, Um, And this poor woman had been caught in the act of committing adultery. And instead of enacting punishment, which, you know, Jesus was being asked to do, Jesus simply says, let the person without sin cast the first stone. He 
turns this question on itself and he reminds everyone that actually we've all broken the law. We have all transgressed and fallen short of the glory of God. Rather than being quick to throw stones, what if we remembered that we were instead called to bring people to the light, into the glorious, wonderful kingdom of God? And so instead of judging, we come alongside, we empathize, and we work with them to pull them into this glorious, wonderful kingdom. We extend grace and mercy just as Jesus would. My third thought, that mercy and equitability together mean freedom, not just from judgment, but also the freedom to be able to learn from our mistakes. You see, when we place mercy and equitability together, what we find, I think, is forgiveness and a willingness to allow other people, hopefully, to make mistakes rather than judging them harshly. Now, there is a distinction here that we need to make, a, a careful distinction, because we don't want to encourage or allow poor behavior that disrespects, that disadvantages others, that exploits. And the New Testament is very, very clear that those who know better, those who understand the laws and the rules and claim to sit in religious authority are held to a much higher standard. Uh, and in fact, the New Testament states multiple times that teachers, preachers, and prophets are to be held to a higher standard of accountability than everyone else. Um, so if you know better than to sin, if, you, if you've been taught what righteousness is, then, you know, do that. Don't, don't go out and deliberately break the law and, and transgress. However, if you make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. You're allowed to make mistakes. Just because you've made one or two stupid mistakes that, you know, just because you weren't thinking or, or you know, because you, you had a failing at the time or something, doesn't mean that God writes you off. Not at all. And I think that's part of the freedom that we're talking about, that we do have freedom to make mistakes, but then there's the other aspect of it, which is repenting and turning away from our mistakes. You know, repentance and the change of behavior is so important because in that story I just mentioned, Jesus doesn't say to the woman, all right, off you go, you're, you're fine. Jesus says, go, but sin no more. So there is an expectation of a change of behavior, a, a concerted effort made towards change because of the mercy and forgiveness that has been received. But that doesn't mean that God has a one-strike policy. And therefore, neither should we. We shouldn't be writing people off because they've made mistakes. We should be learning to allow repentance and forgiveness. It's difficult. It is very, very difficult. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. When people hurt us, and people do things that, you know, damage the lives of others out of simple mistakes, and they come back and they ask for forgiveness, and they repent. It's difficult for us, for, for the, the survivors, for, for, for those who have lived through it, to be able to move beyond that. But I think it is important that we try, that we learn to live a bold life that fiercely you know, powerfully forgives 
and extends grace and mercy wherever we can, rather than being judgmental and cutting people off. It's not an easy place to be in, but I think it is an important one, especially given where we are today in the 21st century, as Christianity you know, continues to be a, a religion that is misunderstood and, and often attacked, that we continue to be excellent witnesses, representatives, ambassadors for God's kingdom, and that we do so by showing them, the rest of the world, the grace and mercy that, that come with being part of God's kingdom. So then, my challenge, and it's just a question, really, how do we, how do we stay merciful when we are so, so tired? Because if you're anything like me, you may have reached a space where you have compassion fatigue, where you've been so worn down by seeing others make mistakes or, or, or you know, do hurtful things or harmful things to you, that you just feel like you are exhausted and just can't do it anymore. How do we keep staying merciful? And I don't really have an answer to you. You know, we've, we've come through and continue to go through a very difficult time with this global pandemic. You know, here in Melbourne, we had months of very severe lockdowns, um, which seem to have worked, but, they, but that doesn't mean they weren't difficult. And we are all exhausted as a result. How do we stay motivated to do good and represent God well? How do we keep good attitudes? And, and look, as lame as this sounds and as cliched as it is, I keep coming back to the old maxim, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Um, of course, the issue here in saying what would Jesus do is that it's not really a throwaway comment because if you ask yourself what would Jesus do, the answer actually requires a fair bit of in-depth knowledge of who Jesus was, how he acted, and what he would do as a result being able to extrapolate from this deep knowledge. So really, returning to the text of the Bible, reading through the Gospels carefully, seeking to prayerfully read through them remains so important. We need to be deeply, intimately familiar with God, with the God that we serve, with the actions of His Son, so that we can keep emulating them. And I think, for me, that's one of the ways that I've been able to recharge, by returning to the texts of the Bible and being encouraged by it, seeing what Jesus does, knowing that it's okay to be able to withdraw for a little while and reconnect with God, to create a space for yourself to, to recharge and reconnect, like Jesus does, before returning to the world. Um, we, we need to be transformed by the Spirit of God continually and, and remind ourselves that this isn't an instant process. This is something that takes time, that takes effort. And in doing so, learn to treat other people well, treat other people with respect, with equity, and to apply grace and mercy wherever we can. So let me keep encouraging each and every single one of you Return to the scriptures. Keep coming back to the text of the Holy Word. Keep representing God well. Keep creating spaces for yourself to encounter Him and to be refreshed by the Spirit. Because if we're just out there plugging away, working day after day, it does get exhausting. And as we become tired, we do find it difficult to keep representing God well. So build in spaces for yourself to be refreshed often.
support yourself well, look after your own health. You know, switch off social media for a while, go, you know, spend some time with, with people who energize you, um, keep delving into your Bible. Do things that help keep you grounded with God. Because our journey of faith is not a quick one. It's not a simple one either, but it requires time and effort. And so we then need to look after ourselves and ensure that we are right within ourselves and with God before we turn to try and help others. Let me pray. Lord, as we consider what we've read today and the importance of equitability, of treating others well, of considering their circumstances and applying mercy and forgiveness rather than judgment. Help us to remember that everyone has their story, that there are reasons for why people do what they do. Give us the patience, the empathy and the compassion to be able to speak slowly, to ask meaningful questions, to hear life stories and to understand others. Help us to be slow to judge, and not just in judging others, but in judging ourselves. Let us be people of grace, of mercy. Let us be people who extend this wonderful grace and mercy and forgiveness to those who need it. Let us be excellent ambassadors of your kingdom, wherever we are. Refresh us. Give us the opportunities to be able to create space to encounter you so that we can continue to be good ambassadors of your kingdom wherever we are. We ask and pray these things in the wonderful name of our Lord. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope to worship together with you soon at our next broadcast online at livechapel.twu.ca every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 11 a.m. You can also stay connected with us by following at TWU Chapel and at TWU Student Ministries. Much love.